Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett adventure that only Walt Disney Productions could bring to the screen. The island at the top of the world. Here is the powerful story of the man who at the turn of the century went out in search of his lost son and found his party carried to the top of the world to discover for the first time a fantastic lost civilization of Vikings. There can be but one penalty for the invaders. Death. Now in the Walt Disney Jules Verne tradition. Beyond the Imagination. See Walt Disney Productions. The island at the top of the world. Welcome everyone to an Arctic adventure that is Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. Yay, I got through the intro. I am Dan Teets and with me... From the deep bowels of a Oklahoma snowstorm. <laughs> I've got her laughing already. I'm Kyra Hawkins. You threw me off when you said bowels. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> so. Deep breaths. For those of you who listened to last week's Castaway Cowboy episode, or actually it would have been two weeks ago's Castaway Cowboy episode, Tonight's episode is the polar opposite to quote Kyra. This time we take you from the Pacific West to the Arctic with the island at the top of the world. This movie was released on December the 20th, 1974, so it was a good little Christmas movie. Did a whopping $10 million in box office, which was $10 million more than Burt Maverick got in his movie, which... Comes up to about $60.1 million in today's dollars. Not too shabby. Not enough to do a sequel with. Which kind of made me sad when I started reading that there was a possible sequel in the works. So, was this your first time watching it? Or had you heard of this? Did you know about it? I had never heard of this at all. Not once. Like, I probably would never have known about it. If you hadn't said, hey, we're watching this. Are you glad you watched it? Did it make you cold? Yeah. 
did it make you happy that fall is coming? Yeah, I mean, they there's a lot of coats in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> and some fur and ice and snow and yeah, I mean, um, it had like I mean had that wintry vibe to it. I mean, obviously because it takes place in the north. Is it like the North Pole? I don't know if it was the North Pole or just somewhere up above the Arctic Circle line. Okay. I have in my notes, you're going to fly an airship to the North Pole. So, something like that. Yes. Might as well be. Yes. It it looked very cold, and I would have been happy for about 13 seconds. I don't do well in the cold weather, Mm -hmm. even though I grew up in it. They um, spend a lot of time outside, which, eh, I like winter, but I like winter because I'm an indoorsy person. <laughs> um, I I love fall. I love winter. I hate going out in the snow, okay. for the record. <laughs> so do not put Kyra on a New Year's Day float outside. No, that'd be okay. If I was bundled up, but not if it's, like, snowing. I want to be inside watching the snow. Okay. Well, there were not too many people inside watching the snow in this film. No. <clears throat> Alright, so the synopsis, which comes to us care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like this. In London in the year 1907, a British aristocrat, industrialist, and millionaire named Sir Anthony Ross hastily arranges an expedition to the Arctic to search for his long-lost son, Donald. Donald has become lost on a whaling expedition to find the fabled island where whales go to die. Sir Anthony employs the talents of a Scandinavian-American archaeologist named Professor Jan Iverson and Captain Brayu, a French inventor-slash-aeronaut who pilots the expedition in a French dirigible named the Hyperion, which Captain Brieu invented. Upon reaching the Arctic, they meet Umiak, a comically brave, comically cowardly slash brave Inuit friend of Donald's, and trick him into helping them join in the search. Ultimately, the expedition becomes temporarily separated from Captain Brieu and discovers an uncharted island named Astragard. Occupied by a lost civilization of Norsemen, cut off from the rest of the world for centuries. They capture Sir Anthony and Iverson, but Umiak escapes. Shortly thereafter, they find Donald, but are nearly put to death by the outrageous, fanatical, and pugnacious, judgmental Godet, a law speaker slash authority figure. The three men, meaning Sir Anthony, Iverson, and Donald, are saved from being burned alive by a brave and beautiful girl named Freya, with whom Donald is deeply and mutually in love. They escape and are joined by Umiak and eventually find the whale's graveyard, but are attacked by killer whales. Here they are saved by the sudden reappearance of Captain Brieu, but they are still being pursued by the angry Godai and his rather unwilling warriors. Finally, the Godai is killed by an explosion when he shoots a fiery arrow at the Hyperion, but the Vikings feel sorry for the four adventurers for their prejudiced hatred led by the Godai, who made the Norse gods angry by shockingly bad behavior and scheming crimes against the newcomers 
so they will not let the expedition return to their world unless one of them remains behind as a hostage to prevent them from telling the outsiders of that secret world of Astrid. Iverson, however, willingly volunteers to stay because this is his chance to relive history and he also points out that if someday mankind is ever foolish enough to destroy itself, places like Astrogard may become humanity's final refuge. Sir Anthony, Donald, Freya, Captain Priyu, and Umiak are allowed to depart in peace, promising not to tell the outside world about Astrogard. As Iverson heads back to Astrogard, he turns to look back just in time to see his four friends move further and further away until they vanish into the Arctic mist the end all right so what are your first thoughts on this um well the first thing in my notes is i'm about to fall asleep during these opening credits um they weren't even that long it was like less than two minutes two and a half minutes of opening credits um but i just was i had a hard time engaging with this movie from the start and um that's not what I was expecting. Like I really thought, um, I thought that I would like this more than I did. And, um, I don't know if I'm disappointed in the movie. I'm disappointed really that I wasn't able to engage and enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to. Okay. Well, I didn't know where they were going with it because I didn't even look at the synopsis prior to starting it. I just saw the picture of the guy, standing in a fur hat and a long fur coat. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a movie somewhere cold. (laughs) And then suddenly this guy gets pulled into this adventure that he, I didn't really think he wanted to go on, which was kind of the way that the, that Sir Anthony worked everybody into this movie. Yeah. He kind of strong arms everyone. Um, I really wasn't even sure why he wanted, um, oh shoot, what is his name? Iverson. Iverson, yeah, I wasn't sure why he wanted him. I, like, I'm pretty sure it explains it in the beginning. Um, he's an archaeologist, right? Yeah, he was, he was brought in because Sir Anthony found this whalebone, Mm-hmm. And suddenly the whalebone gets Iverson's attention and he starts looking at it and he's like, well, back in ancient times, they used bones to do maps. And if you look at this map, this kind of fits this spot. And so this is where you need to go. Yeah. And so Sir Anthony's like, all right, well, let's go. And Iverson's like, I didn't say I was going. Yeah. Well, he's like, I don't know why you're taking me. I'm not a professional explorer. Mm-hmm. And then um, Sir Anthony is like, is it Sir Anthony? Yeah. I don't know why I'm struggling with that, but he's like, yeah, but I know all these things about you. And it, I guess it turns out that he is the right man for the job because he knows so much about history. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's like a professor, so he knows what he's talking about. Um which makes him an asset, but it's still like you would think he would have a, either a, a bigger team mm-hmm. or would want someone who knew what they were doing as far as like exploring goes. Cause they're going some somewhere that I guess they kind of think that no one is going to be there besides his lost son. Yeah. And so 
somehow they figure out that this is where the whales go to die. Yeah, it's like a legend. Is it a legend? Yeah, it's it's some kind of... I, I think they call them Eskimos. I think the proper term nowadays that you brought to my attention is Inuits. Yeah, Eskimo is like a kind of outdated term, and, and those people find it um, offensive. So um, it's slowly working its way out of our um, vernacular. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And so the Inuits have this legend about this place where all the whales go to die. And there's a comment made about ambergris, which the only reason that I know about ambergris is from a Bob's Burgers episode. <laughs> That's stuff that I think whales throw up that's like more valuable than gold or some some crazy stuff like that. So, um, so they go and they find Captain Priyu, who has been told to build an airship. But he doesn't know that his airship is about to be commandeered to go to the place where whales go to die. So, was this an airship that he built for this mission? Was that... I think he built it for the king or queen of France Hmm. to see. And then suddenly, Sir Anthony's like, well, no, we're actually going to take that... We're going to take your airship and we're going to go to the North Pole with it. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly the way that you do things. Yeah, it doesn't seem safe, Anthony. <laughs> and then suddenly there's like all these cars coming in with loads and loads and loads of food and supplies. And Briu isn't worried about any of this. Right. Because... Uh... I'm thinking the idea is to keep the airship as light as possible, and you've got like six or seven cars laden down with all kinds of supplies that's going to pretty much hamper you even getting off the ground, even if this thing does work. Yeah, yeah, you would think that that would have been like a red flag for him, but Mm -hmm. I think we're not supposed to question it. Um, But like also... Where do they put all this? Because they're in this tiny little basket. Yeah, unless it's up in storage in the part of the ship that we don't see or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I don't really know um, the anatomy of an airship. <laughs> so maybe I should shut up. Well, <laughs> I don't claim to be the world's most foremost knowledge knowledgeable expert on airships either. I have read a couple of steampunk stories that that are set on airships but i mean when i saw it i was like oh they're gonna get on the hindenburg and fly off into new jersey where it'll explode and indy and his dad will jump off and get pursued by the nazis great stuff so this like whole expedition on the airship and it's it's, all of it is like raised some serious safety concerns (laughs) All I could think was like, this doesn't seem safe. That doesn't look like it's a good idea. And they just they just keep going. I did like Briu. He was like funny, um, even though he seemed to put them in more danger. A lot of that was at Anthony's urging, though. So yeah, and ah. this was the maiden voyage of this ship, and 
I actually wrote down a line that Breu said. He said, the sun has warmed our gas. So I... your ship doesn't work on um, combustible gas? It just You wait until it gets warm and then all of a sudden your ship just goes up? I'm not understanding how this works because then all balloons would go up if you take them outside. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything. Like, this whole thing is just weird. I think, <laughs> I don't know, I just really wanted to like this because, like, the characters are pretty likable. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I didn't like that Anthony was, like, constantly, like you said, like, getting people to do things that they didn't really want to do. Um, although he was really determined to find his kid, well, yeah. his adult son. Um, so, I don't know. I, don't, I wish I could say, like, why I didn't like this. Because there were definitely parts that I liked, yeah. just as a whole. Uh, anyways, let's keep going. So... Yes, we we will keep going just like the airship, which defied logic. It takes off, and they start flying north, and Sir Anthony's trying to push him to go faster than what the airship is supposed to be going, and Briu isn't having it because it's the maiden voyage. We should only go this fast. Mm-hmm. And Anthony's like, well, I was the one who financed this, so therefore I'm going to say how fast we go. But then Briu goes along with him, and it's like, all right, if anything goes wrong, it's on you. No, it's actually on all of them, because they're all going to die if something yeah. happens, and then we don't have a movie. Yeah, well, it's like, okay, Briu, like, you can blame him all you want, but if something goes wrong, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're all dead. Yeah. Uh, so he is the the dog Josephine. Is she Briu's dog? Funny that, she, that he like insisted on bringing his poodle. I don't know if she was his dog or if he was the mascot or if she was the mascot of the ship, which is possible. I think she becomes the mascot because yeah. um, Iverson is like, well, you're the mascot or whatever. Yeah. Um, the thing like the. Uh, Again, I I wanted so much to care about this, <laughs> <laughs> but like the propeller breaks, and so Briu like ties himself to the ship somehow and like climbs down there to fix a propeller. Yeah, I I wasn't too sure on how that worked, but since Briu was the only one that knew how the propeller worked because he had designed it, he had to go fix it. And nearly gets himself thrown off of the airship in the process. So, um, I just remembered this and I actually wrote it down. Um, as he's, as he's getting ready to climb down and fix it. Um, cause I think like Anthony's like saying, I'll do it. And, and he's like, I'm the commander of the ship. Only an idiot would do such a thing. I will do it myself. I needed that moment of giggles like it made me laugh yes so they fix the propeller continue on north and they buzz a herd of muskox which i found out form a ring when they're attacked i did not know that so that is your disney animal knowledge fact of the episode 
And then they just land in an Eskimo village. I'm sorry, excuse me, Inuit village. I'm sorry, I've been ingrained for 47 years to say that word, so. Yeah. Well, we know better, so we're making efforts to do better. Because, like, it was news to me, like, a year or so ago. Um, So, we're slowly improving. Anyways, they get to the village. And they kidnap Umiak. And they take off, and Umiak is scared... Peepless. <laughs> so I was not sure what to think of Umiak at first, um, and I was like, how does he even fit into this movie? Um, and I missed it as I was watching, but it turns out he's, like, friends with the son. Um, yeah, he, he was apparently the last person to see the son, quote-unquote, alive. And so he, he has to... Brave his fear, overcome his fear, help them find the sun. And so we're flying along. Umiak's just cowering in the corner with Josephine, <laughs> loving on him, trying to encourage him to stand up and come back to the world of the living. Yeah, it seemed like she, like, and maybe they mentioned this earlier in the movie, like, she was also very scared. Um which, jumping ahead, like, spoiler alert, they both are v- very much braver towards the end, which I thought was sweet. Um, but, yeah, they they, they kind of kidnap him. And then we get, um, as they approach what they think is their destination, some really, like, this is my favorite part of the movie, some really beautiful aerial shots of wildlife. Yeah, and I actually had, had put down, I had, I really would like to know where they got the whale and the narwhal footage. Yeah. Because, I mean, Disney had done real-life adventure movies, and I don't know why they didn't do one with this. Because I would have watched this in a heartbeat. I would have watched three hours of whales frolicking and narwhals playing joust or whatever they do with their horns. I thought the same thing. Um... Like, a lot of times I've said in movies, like, this scene went on too long. I could not have watched, like, like this could have gone on for the rest of the movie. I would have loved it. Like, I couldn't get over it. Um, so, Disney Nature, since we know that you are listening, we are demanding for the next Earth Day movie the lost footage from this movie showing the narwhals, the whales... The killer whales. Heck, throw in a musk ox or two. Just to beef things up and show us their trip to the place where they're supposed to die. Have they done polar bears already, Disney Nature? I think they have done polar bears. I haven't seen that, but um, like getting to watch for like two seconds this polar bear running and then diving into the water Mm -hmm. was... I just, like, I could watch this all day. Well, give us 20 years and we will get to that. <laughs> because there there's a Disney nature movie that comes out every year. Mm-hmm. I want to say for like the last 20 years at least, because I th- think the first one was The Little Monkeys. Yeah, I... I was, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that they're so cute and make me want to go to wherever they are and kidnap one and bring it back and then (laughs) that will be the end of the podcast 
Um, yeah, I took my oldest daughter to see one or two of those in, in theater. Um, this is back in like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, around 2005 to 9 or 10 maybe. Early, early. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago really in the grand scheme. But yeah, like when the first couple came out in theaters, we went to see them and they were they're just really good. So yeah, more of these, please, Disney. So after they see all the beautiful whale footage, they realize that they're headed in the right direction, they think, because they see I think they said an island sitting on top of a cloud or something to that effect. Because that was one of the things that um, had come along with the whalebone that brought Iverson into the actual expedition. Expedition. I don't know why I had trouble with that word tonight. And so Briu doesn't want to go because his airship isn't equipped for this. And they should have listened to Briu because Briu's ship got messed up real bad. (laughs) Real bad. Um, I have in my notes, like, this is not a trip I would want to be on. Like, they're taking some pretty big risks. Um, again, the whole, like, this whole thing, I'm like, this doesn't seem safe. <laughs> and um, Anthony is just like, I know that this is dangerous, but I have to get to my son. And, he, like, in, like the quiet part is, like, I'm willing to risk all of your lives to get there. Yeah. Does he say that? No, but that's what he's saying. Yeah, it, it was said without being said, and I'm, I mean, I was cringing when they just start going through this cloud, and all of a sudden, Bree's like, well, we're going to hit some turbulence, and I don't know if this is going to be good for this ship, because I'm not used to going over cliffs, and I'm like, cliffs? I don't see... Oh, there's a cliff! I'm not ready for this. I was tense. Like, for a movie that I thought I didn't care about, I did get pretty nervous during this part, even though, like, obviously we know it's going to be okay. It was just like, oh, he hit the mountain. He hit the mountain again. (laughs) What is happening? Yeah, and so, as they're doing this, something happens, and somehow Anthony... Iverson and Umiak get thrown out of the ship, and we just don't see Briu or the Hyperion again, and we're just like, okay, so they've been written off, now what's going to happen? And so they just start trudging on, and then this figure appears, and Umiak freaks out. Because he's like a spirit or something? Yeah, because he thinks that it's a spirit, and that was also something that was sent along with the whalebone. And so they just they turn around and they start pursuing the spirit, and lo and behold, it's Vikings. And I'm like, <gasps> and that's where I really fall in love with it, because I'm like, ha. Oh. I love <laughs> anything Vikings or Viking-related, except for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> and so... They basically get knocked out, and they come to, and Iverson can speak their language because they're speaking Old Norse. Yeah. But I guess this is where, like, all of his education comes in handy, and it doesn't matter that he's not an explorer. He knows about this culture. Yeah. And so, apparently, what had happened was these Norse Vikings, for lack of a better term, had gotten stuck in... 
the most beautiful green lush area in the Arctic and Ted lived on like nothing had happened for a thousand years. Yeah, but there's like some scientific explanation that Iverson offers, like something about a volcano and fissures Mm -hmm. and science words. (laughs) Science words. Yeah, how does this work? I don't know, science. Um, (laughs) So he like explains it all and it makes sense, but it's like there it's, yeah, virtually untouched um, until I guess Donald's, got there in his exploration and now these guys yeah and so they decide or iverson translates for everybody and catches everybody up to speed in the little scouting party that saw this large whale come over their land because that's what they thought the airship was and so they're thinking that this is an advanced raiding party that's going to come in, take over their world, and bring on the new Isaac, pretty yeah. much. Is this, like, something about their, like, religious beliefs, or yeah. I don't really remember. And so they start going, and Iverson translates that, no, they aren't a raiding party. They're here to find the guy that was that came to y'all however long ago it's been. Yeah, and, I think it was, like, two years, maybe. And they're like, oh, well, he's staying at Sven's house. So they just take him down to this house, and this girl comes running out, and she speaks perfect English, because Donald had taught her perfect English in however long he'd been with them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's a Disney movie, so I have to think, all right, if it takes a girl that's been living outside of normal time two years to learn perfect English, how long should it take for everyone else to learn it? And why hasn't they started to teach everybody perfect cheeseburger? (laughs) But it's, and it's only the two of them that speak English, and Donald knows Norse enough to be able to talk or to translate, and then suddenly he gets taken away, and everybody else gets taken away, and Donald was... Not supposed to tell anybody, so they're trying to figure out how Donald knew about it, and Iverson's trying to explain it, and suddenly the big bad shows up and says, no, they're, they need to die. Yeah, I think, like, they think that he, that Donald, like, tipped them off and brought them there on purpose. And so the big bad, whose name is Goaty, I want to say? I, that's how it's spelled, um... But I think, like, I want to say they pronounce it Goda. Okay. Um, I don't know. So Goda starts trying to rile up the people and tells them that they must be killed. And, of course, the only way to be killed is to burn them at the stake. Which I'm not sure we're in 10th century Norse land anymore. We're more in 1620s Boston. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thought that this, like... I don't know. I guess he's the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He, I thought he was weird. Um, or he's like, he kind of looks like scary biblical and like there's all <laughs> the flames, which is like not great special effects and the way oh it gosh. in his eyes and the lighting and coloring of all of his scenes were so strange um, that I was like, this is not pleasing to my eyes. <laughs> 
I got a very Charlton Heston in Ten Commandments slash Ben-Hur slash Spartacus vibes from him. Because it's yeah. like, and I don't know if that was what Disney was going to, but yeah, the special effects when he was obviously standing in front of some sort of green screen, mm-hmm. and apparently he had the same color eyes as the back of the screen, and it started to flip through him, and I, I was I was not pleased with this part of the movie. Yeah. I was already struggling, and this part just completely turned me off to it. I was like, eh, walls up. So, they get ordered to be executed in a Viking funeral pile, I guess, or pyre. Yeah, they're, like, tied up to poles, and there's fire. And Frida shows up and somehow rescues them, and so they set off to try to get away. And they're running, and they're running, and they're running, yeah, and they're it's... stopping, and they're running, and then they run into Omiak, <laughs> and then they're running some more. It's like the longest chase scene. Like, it's so drawn out. Like, there's a lot of breaks in between. Um, this is where there's, like, some stuff that I found hilarious that I don't think was supposed to be funny <laughs> in the context of the movie. Um, like... Obviously, the special effects are not great. Um, there's, uh, like, there's some issues with, like, there's, vol- like, volcanic lava that they're very close to <laughs> not getting burned. They run through some, like, like I don't know what it's called, where it looks like it's kind of raining lava on them mm-hmm. and nobody gets hurt, which made me think, this it's like Twister, where they are in the middle of the tornado and come out without a scratch. Like, there's no injuries in any of this. And and Twister has now made its appearance in the second consecutive episode of Be Kind Rewind. I will apologize for nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, your the special effects were not good, but, I mean, it was... 70s Disney, we weren't expecting state-of-the-art CGI with Groot running around telling them all to, I am Groot. That's and... true. I guess I should like give grace, it was the 70s. But, um, yeah, the chase scene goes on for like half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I actually think I checked the time like three different times during the chase scene because it was, I was like, okay, are they going to catch him? No, they're going to get off. And then they're going to catch them no but then somebody does something stupid and suddenly they're after them again and so long story short short story long actually with the chase scene they get through the volcanic ash and lava and i think iverson tells everyone that sulfur is good for your lungs is that true i it has to be iverson said it and iverson (laughs) hasn't lied in this movie he knows what he's talking about. They, like, come across, like, the whale graveyard or whatever that yeah. they were so worried about. But, like, um, somewhere in here, Donald um, and Anthony, like, reconcile mm-hmm. and on good terms again. We find, you know, Freya and Donald are very much in love. It's kind of cute, I guess. Um, yeah. But, like, oh, the other thing, <laughs> part of this chase scene, like, they go from lava that they're not dressed appropriately to withstand. So, like, I don't know how they're alive. 
but then um, they jump in like some kind of cave thing and there's ice that they're sliding down and touching and they're like they're not protected so I don't know all of it is just a yeah, so apparently seven-eighths of the way through the chase scene, because we still hadn't gotten to the very end, they come to this sinkhole in the middle of a field after they've gone through... No, this is before the graveyard. And so, because it's right before they get to the graveyard, because that's how they told them, because Ronald reminds Freya of the legends... And so they start thinking that they got to go down this hole, and somehow the hole leads to an underground ice cave. And somehow Godi and Goda, or Godai, however you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. and all of the townsfolk have chased them through the lava field. No one has died there. And so they launch something that collapses the hole, and. I'm trying to remember this because I think I, I zoned out for part of this chase scene too. That's how long it was. <laughs> so they put like the Vikings or whatever push like this giant rock. I like wrote that they were bowling for um, <laughs> just look like they went bowling. They push this giant rock that rolls down and takes out all of these gigantic icicles. And I don't know. It was just it was wild. And so they get through that get through the whale's graveyard, but they get attacked by a very Jaws-esque killer whale. Yeah, there's like a, a group of orcas that are, and <laughs> they're, at some point it becomes very clear that they're fake. But for a what? second, I thought, for a second I was like, I, and I even put on my notes, those better be fake orcas that they're beating with sticks <laughs> Like, we know that Disney um, is not afraid to put animals in harm's way Mm -hmm. for entertainment purposes. Um, But at one point, like, when the orcas start jumping out of the water is when I started screaming with laughter because it was so obviously fake. And I just, it wasn't supposed to be funny, but it was hilarious. And all I could think was, um, I wish that Mystery Science Theater 3000 had done this movie. Oh, that would have been great. Like, there's some, uh, who is it? Briu is, like, shooting the orcas, and they are flying out of the water with bullets and blood on them. Mm-hmm. It should be terrifying, but it's just so badly done um, that it was hilarious. I was screaming. Yeah, and so you mentioned Briu. Somehow he's sitting on the far side of all of this, just waiting for them to come up, eating his camembert cheese and drinking his wine. and Yeah, he's living it up. And so they, he rescues them, and they make this crazy idea to cut off part of the airship, which will therefore make it float better, which, I don't know, science? Considering, yeah, like awesome consi- gas or something. Yeah, and so they... They've got this busted airship, which, honestly, I don't see how it floated to start with. But, I mean, otherwise, how are they going to get out of there? And so they knock off the bottom. The ship starts to rise. They're all drinking champagne, and suddenly the wind turns and sends them back towards the village that they didn't want to go towards. Yeah, I was like, so I went from very, um, like, 
because we see a really kind of sweet moment between Donald and Freya because she's going to leave with him. She's like, ah, my dad will be okay or whatever. And I'm like, oh, she's leaving her, like her family and her village and the only life she's ever known to go to like the modern world. And I kind of felt bad for her. Um, but then when that happens with the ship, I was like, I don't feel bad. <laughs> Just I thought the movie was ending here. <laughs> like, no, go back. Yeah. And then you realize there's still 10 minutes left in the film and you're like, uh, how are they going to tie things up? And so the, Somehow, Goda and all the rest of the townsfolk are sitting, just waiting for them to come back, which doesn't make sense, because what happens if the wind doesn't turn? Are they all just going to sit up there on top of the ice castle and melt it down, or science? Yeah, science. And I don't even know what happened to the bad guy, to go Goda. So, Goda. so he shoots... He shoots the, yeah, Gobi, the Gobi Desert shoots an arrow, and it causes the airship to come down and kill him. That's right. Okay. Yeah, it's like, was he a bad guy, like, to the villagers? I guess maybe kind of. I don't, I don't know if he was a bad guy or just the town crazy person that everybody was supposed to listen to. I don't know. I just, like, his ignorance of how, like, this ship works is what does him in. Um, I just don't know, like, because he shoots it while they're in midair, so I don't know how, I guess maybe they weren't high enough to be injured because they all fall from it. and Yeah. They're fine, and then it, like, lands on him, and bye-bye, Goji Berry. <sighs> yeah, so then we get to the very end... And by this time, Kyra is happy that it is the very end. Yeah, I was like, I mean, if we weren't talking about it right now and I wasn't like, like behind the scenes note, like I have the movie open in another window on my laptop. So like if I hadn't just seen it, I would not remember this part. (laughs) But yeah, she like they go and make peace with the villagers. But there's something about um, like they have to leave someone behind. Mm-hmm. Like a, a sacrifice, I don't really know. And somehow Iverson's just like, cool, I'll stay. Yeah, because he wants to somehow live to be a thousand and relive everything that's happened and usher them into the new millennium and, and all this. And and so he basically just waves to his people and they drift off into the mist and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Until the sequel gets made. Except doesn't. And Dan had a sad. Yeah, like, I guess they had planned this sequel before this came out, and they didn't realize that it wasn't going to be well-received, or well-enough-received anyways, so. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that. (laughs) So that's that. Yeah. I hope (laughs) they made it back to England okay. Um, I mean, they had Josephine, and the, well, they didn't have the flying machine, so. Come, Josephine, on my lying machine. Do you think that was on purpose? I don't know. I thought that she was Josephine because, like, Brie was French, um, and she's a poodle, and Josephine is kind of Frenchy sounding. Isn't it? Yeah. I should shut up. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, Napoleon's wife, mistress, lover, something from the French Revolution. I'm, 
I'm not that educated. <laughs> so yeah, when when I when I started reading up on this for the episode and. Spoiler alert, I was very involved in this movie. Yes, I helped to create the movie. That's how involved I was. No. <laughs> it, it was it was a year before I was born, but I traveled back in time. This movie had me, and so I'm like, I need to know more. Why wasn't this made as a... Um, why wasn't there a sequel made? They said it was not... It was abandoned when it became apparent that Island on Top of the World would not be a box office success. Yeah, it just wasn't profitable enough, so there wasn't going to be enough interest. Well, it didn't exactly help that Siskel called it a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ripoff. Oh. Well, see, I've never seen that, but... um, Another of my favorite movies. Um, Like, I thought this... What is this, like, called a fantasy adventure? Um, I... I guess when I read fantasy, I was thinking, um, like, mythical creatures. Maybe. So, I don't know. Like, I, It's not like I went in with high expectations. Like, I, yeah. a lot of these movies I've never heard of. <laughs> I try to keep it, like, you know, set the bar low. But um, for some reason, I thought I would like this one. Um, and like I said, I, I just I had a hard time getting into it. Um, and I, I feel bad, but like, because I really want to like it. And there were parts that were fun, but overall, meh. So, with them making the Hyperion, they actually have the Hyperion airship in Disneyland Paris as a part of one of the recording culmination. Yeah, and it was considered the largest prop ever at any Disney theme park. So, I mean... I honestly wouldn't mind going to Disneyland Paris just to see this because I could watch this every day with the exception of the 30 minute chase scene. Mm. It it would, it would be on repeat if Thompson would allow something other than Elmo to be on repeat now. (laughs) So I, there may come a day when I introduce him to this one. It would, it, I think I'd sit down and watch it and not have any problems. With the exception of the 30 minutes that took, that I will never get back. Yeah, like, I know there are other movies with extended chase scenes like that, but they're um, a lot more, um, there's more action to it, I guess. Um, I wish I could put my finger on what it was about this that didn't um, excite me. It just, I don't know. It might have been Sir Anthony. And the way that he kidnapped everyone. Maybe. Like, I thought, um, I don't know, like I said, like, there were, it had its moments that I laughed. Like, I thought Brie was funny, and Iverson was likable. Um, and even, like, Anthony's, like, determination to find his mm-hmm. son was, like, kind of inspiring, I guess. Like, admirable. But, um, I don't know. I just, I was... I had trouble from the very beginning, so I, I might try it again just to see, but I'll probably wait a little bit um, just to kind of, like, clear the mind. <laughs> All right. Well, was there any other notes that you had? Um, no. Okay. Oh, you know what? Actually, there is. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie actually got an Oscar nomination 
for um, art direction and set decoration. Um, it didn't win, but I mean that's pretty cool to get nominated. So good for them. I actually, now that you mention it, I would like to know where the sets are for the actual Nordic Village because that would be something pretty amazing to to walk through even if it's i mean by now it's probably just pieces here and there like just about everything else that's 40 years old and yeah or 50 years old and falling apart but do we know where they filmed this i didn't look it up maybe i should have i don't right in hyperion production eh, i'm not seeing anything about where it was actually filmed which is kind of sad hmm I mean, it was beautiful, like the, except for the, like, weird part where they were, like, being held captive by Goji Berry and his, <laughs> like, bad people, whatever they were. Um, Goji Berry and the bad people, coming soon to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> except for that part, like, the scenery of the village was beautiful. I'm, it was very pretty. Um, yeah. But... Aside from the, like, few, like, laughs that I got for intentional laughs and unintentional laughs, um, the best part of this movie was the aerial shots of the wildlife. Yeah. To me. Yeah. That that was, I don't know why that wasn't released on, like, a separate nature documentary. So, like I said, I know you're listening, Disney, so get on it. Even though you haven't started Name That Prawn or Goji Berry and the evil people. But give them a couple of months and they'll have it in the Disney Plus rotation. Followed by the Willow 2 sequel. Alright, well let's go ahead and move into the three all-important questions. How, what are the three questions? How come I can't remember them? What is today's impact on the movie? I think this movie could be remade. There isn't much, with the exception of Sir Anthony and all of his crimes and misdemeanors, that would have to be treaded very lightly upon. Mm-hmm. But there's ways around that. Like, well, if you come with us, we'll give you this, this, this. I... Uh, well, I mean, in other there's other movies, like modern movies, that... Like, where someone does that, um, the same thing that he does. So, I mean, they could probably get away with it. Um, like, I don't think there's anything culturally wrong with this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even, like, unless they were updating it, like, making it in present day, which probably would never happen. Um, but even if they made it now, but it was still set in whatever time frame it is, I think. 19-teens. Yeah, like early 1900s um i mean yeah they could redo it and it would be fine the special effects would be really good yeah Uh, you wouldn't have goji berry's eyes looking flame he was scary like i know he was supposed to be scary because he's the bad guy but he was like (laughs) terrifying and like yeah he would he would look better the special effects would be better we'd probably get some really good footage of the wildlife like Mm -hmm. like 2022 footage of the wildlife instead of whatever year the 70s um (laughs) so today's impact on this movie would just be that they could make it better 
And um, if they remade this, I'd probably watch it. Like, I'd give it a chance. I was, whenever we have these discussions and we decide that they could make it, I'm always like, let's cast it. Jack Black. <laughs> Playing all the parts. <laughs> what if they, what if they made it with the Muppets? Oh my gosh. Mm, no, that's too hard. Let's do, let's, uh, let's not do that. Um, I did, like, it made me kind of laugh a little bit whenever I realized that the um, land that they discover, or it's not discovered because there's people there, but um, the land that they come upon is called Astrogard, which made me think of Asgard. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, like Norse, Thor, mm-hmm. all of that. But it, it was amusing. Obviously, they, I don't know if it was intentional, but it caught my attention. Well, I think it was intentional because they had Freya, Odin, and Thor as the three Norse gods that were up in front of Goji Berry when he comes out and starts saying, kill them all. Yeah. So it would be great to rewrite it and then have Chris Hemsworth come out and say, hi, I am (laughs) Thor. Uh... Yeah, he should he should be Goji Berry. Like we could stand to see him as a villain. <laughs> um, I'm I'm mostly trying to think of like who would play um, Brieu, Iverson, and Anthony. Um, regardless regardless of how I felt about the movie overall, the three of them together was pretty fun. Yeah, they could they could have their ooh. I just got a great idea for Disney Plus. Let's hear it. Since they didn't do the sequel. Why not have the three of them in a limited Disney Plus show? Ooh, I'd watch it. I mean, it could be six episodes and then let the people say, we want more. Like, I would probably be like, give me season two tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to see the those characters, like, explore. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd watch that. And I'm actually... I know most of these early, well, early. We're 50 years into Disney, so it's not exactly early Disney. But most of these movies are based on books. This is actually a book that I would pick up and read. Just to see how different it is. And then report back on a future episode in 2029 when I actually get to read it. So, But we have gone far afield with the casting of Thor God of Thunder playing Goji Berry. Um... Is this movie mirrored in culture? We've talked about how the ship is may still be in Disneyland Paris. It's got several... Um, it was actually... It was reallocated for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Parts of the actual parts that Disney had planned to have something called Discovery Bay. Which was going to have Briu's airship. DuckTales actually had an had a Hyperion airship in it. So So it's in there. Yeah. I would never have connected any of it, but I'd also never seen this movie before the last twenty four hours. So. <laughs> Alright. Well the third and final question is how does it fit into today's society? I think it fits because it shows that there are still parts of nature where you don't have modern times. Yeah. And yes, you're led by a maniac named Goji Berry, but it's it could be remade or it it could be redone set 
back then still, and it wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, like, I'd watch it if they if they did it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, I can only imagine that it would just be better. Yeah. Couldn't I mean, be worse. Right. Even if it wasn't great, I it'd probably still be better. <laughs> All right. Well, for the 14 of you who have stuck around to the very end of this episode, thank you for listening to us rant and rave about... Goji Berry and the Evil Ones, <laughs> a.k.a. the Island at the Top of the World. Your viewing for next week is going to be a fun one. It's actually another Kurt Russell movie. Tombstone. <laughs> nah. I almost bought that. <laughs> <laughs> no, next week's... Wait, wait a second. <laughs> actually, I think... Tombstone, maybe a Touchstone movie, which I think isn't Touchstone a Disney property? Yes, it is. So technically, we can make it work. How do you spell Tombstone? No, it's not. It is not a Touchstone movie. Boo. I was womp, gonna, womp. I was going to try to watch it, um, but so many people are like, oh, well, this happens, or like, there's this violence, and I'm like, oh, violence, Western, either I'm going to be horrified or I'm going to fall asleep. Or you're going to fall asleep during the violence. Yeah. No, we are going to go back to a simpler time in Kurt Russell's life. We are going to go back to Medford College, which just perked up Kyra's eyes. I don't like, ooh, tell me, tell me. We are going to be covering The Strongest Man in the World from 1975, I believe. So we are actually up to my birth year. In fact, this one was released seven weeks before I was born. So there's your homework to figure out when I was born based on the clues that I have given you, and come back next week and laugh along with us as the hijinks ensue with Kurt Russell. But, as we do every week, Kyra is leaning in. Till next week, stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for the killer whales. <laughs> Talk to y'all later. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. How will we to fight them? We'll do it as a team. First, go unleash your lightning. Then, Natasha, that's your cue.